Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a good hand today. Great to be in his house, second Sunday of the new year. But here's a big question. Why did you come to church this morning? It's kind of going to be my topic this morning. So I want you to ask a couple people near you. Ask them, say, why did you come to church this morning? And see what you hear. Come on now. Everybody can do this. Why did you come to church this morning? All right. Don't get too carried away there. Okay, how many said because my mom made me come? Let me see your hand here. Yeah, we have a few. My husband and my wife made me come. All right, not a bad thing. Your mom makes you go. Mom made me go when I was little, and it helped me. Uh, let's see. How many will say, uh, I came to check out the guys or the girls? <laughs> now, I would suggest to you that you'll probably find a better potential mate, husband, or wife in church than you would on the dance floor at Fat Jack's after 1 o'clock in the morning, Okay. More than likely. But you don't come to church to find a girlfriend or a boyfriend. You come to church to meet Jesus. Come on. And then you make some friends, and then you marry your best friend. All right? Anybody hear someone say, I came to church this morning because I robbed a bank, and I'm hiding from the police. Let me see your hand today. We have one right here. Officer, he's right here on the front row. Okay. All right. Uh, anybody in church this morning because you couldn't find any ducks to go duck hunting, so you thought you might as well go to church. Anybody like that? Okay. You, you just raise your hand to anything, won't you? Who's taking the pastor out to lunch today? Let me see your hand. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I doubt you heard those things. They're kind of funny, but I bet you heard things like this. I want to get closer to God. I want to learn about the Bible. I, I want to be with my Christian friends. I love Jesus. I love to worship. I want my spiritual life to grow as I start my new year. And I can tell you, friends, if you heard things like that, I can help you in the next few minutes. Because the whole month of January is designed to help you get closer to God. There's a great promise in the book of James. It's an undertone for us. James chapter 4, verse 8. They'll put it on the screen. I want you to say this with me. It says, draw near to God and what? He will draw near to you. Let's say it again. Draw near to God and God will draw near to you. Now, that's profound. We're talking about the God that created the heavens and the earth, the God that sustains it all, the God that provides it all, the God that somehow has provided water for everyone to drink. I mean, this is an incredible thought that as I endeavor to get closer to God, and I don't mean you'll physically see God with your eyes or touch Him with your hands, but that spiritual awareness that God has given to all of us, that sense that God is real, and I know Him, I know His voice, I know His plan for my life. That's the dynamic we're talking about. God will come more real if I take steps towards Him. And that's what we're trying to help you with, particularly in this month of January. Uh, one big thing we're doing is a Bible reading challenge, the Proverbs 31 challenge, 31 chapters in Proverbs, so 31 days in January, so you pick your day in the chapter. And it's a short chapter to read, and in my opinion, these next probably 10 days are the best books of Proverbs, best chapters, because they're these short statements that are filled with wisdom. Anyway, but when you read it, I want to encourage you to text it to a friend or get a circle of friends going. I got my hair cut this week, and I was talking to the uh, Danny Ratliff cuts my hair, and I was talking to Danny, and he said, yeah, he's in my circle. But he said, I've got my family doing it. And he said, I've also got my, uh, my, the girls on my salon. We're all texting each other the priorities of the day. And I got my extended family. So it is a great way to get people connected to the Bible. Because look, friends, you just spending a little few minutes a day in the Bible is a huge, huge step towards your drawing close to God. We're also doing this season of prayer and fasting, not always the fun part of Christianity, but it does something. 
three days this week without planning in advance, Pastor Mike and I found that our, ourselves in the sanctuary during lunch. We just skipped lunch that day, and we're not dead, and just spent time drawing near to God. And uh, so that's what the month's about. This morning, I want to teach you something very profound, but it's how your involvement in a strong local church can help you grow closer to God. Now, and, I, and I use the, the, the word a strong local church deliberately because there's all sorts of churches, but let me talk to you about the church I'm talking about. I'm talking about churches that, that believe that Jesus Christ is the only means for heaven. They, they hold to the orthodox uh, doctrines of the Christian faith. They believe the Bible is the Word of God. They believe that, uh, that Jesus is real on the earth today, that we can have a, a relationship with God, that we should be living a holy life, that, that God has plans and purpose for our life. I mean, where you can just sense the Spirit working. That kind of church will help you grow in your spiritual life, but you have to treat it differently than a movie theater. Ask you a question. If you go to the movies, how many people try to sit right next to someone you don't know? Let me see your hand. Because you are on the prowl if you do that, okay? Most people, what we do is we try to find, like if I was walking down the aisles looking for a place to sit, I'd probably sit right there because there's nobody within two or three chairs around me. And, and when it's over, have you ever gone to look to the person next to you and say, oh, wasn't this just a great movie? I'm so glad we came. What is your name, by the way? Yeah, mine's John. And what is your name? You'd say, that's my wife. Take your hand off of her. Okay, we don't do that. You don't, you don't, you don't. No, you told me you were going to, wouldn't buy me lunch, so. I'm going to buy you lunch, I got you. Are you really? Yeah, really. I'll take the cash. All right. Um, we're getting way off track this morning. That, you don't do that in a movie theater. You don't look for the manager. I mean, your only reason you went there is to get the movie and be gone. And, and sometimes we bring that same unconscious consumer thinking into the church. But this is supposed to be a family of believers. And you may not know most of the people or some of the people in this room, but still, we're going to be spending all eternity together. This is a family. And as we connect to this family, it helps us in our, our spiritual life uh, uh, grow. So that's what I'm going to talk about this morning. I, I'm starting a new series, and it's called, I Love My Church. Can you say that with me? I love my church, and uh, it'll unfold in the days ahead, but let's look this morning, Matthew 16, let me just start ground level, because I want to speak to you, for many of you that are here, going to church, being a part of the church is just a part of your life, it's just what you do, but for many of us, the conviction is not there, we don't understand why it's important, and let me say this, it should be more than obligation, but how many know I do some things in life uh, because I want to, I do some things because I just need to do them, flossing your teeth, I mean, when I was a kid, I never heard of floss. I had soft enamel. Uh, I loved to eat a uh, little banana Laffy Taffy, and uh, I have the teeth to prove it. And uh, I had a, 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 not just a crown, but a bridge. Uh, it lasted 20 years, and they had to redo it this year. And it was such a pleasant experience, I decide now I'm going to floss three times a day if necessary. I'm never going back to that. And I don't do it because I want to do it or it's just fun. It's just something that brings health to my life. See? And the same thing is sometimes church, it, it, it should be more than a habit, but it, it should engage and bring life to us, but it's part of the fabric of our life. Let me tell you why that's the case. I want to talk just basic ground roots this morning and, and help you evaluate where the local church fits in your life and in your priorities and why. Matthew 16, verse 18, and if I can ask this most basic question, what is the church? What is this, the church, and, and what's it supposed to do? 
Jesus, of course, great answers. Matthew 16, Jesus, I tell you, he talked to the disciples and he said, you are Peter. And on this rock, Jesus said, I will. I will build my church. This is not ours. I mean, we, you know, we fellowship. This is Jesus' church. But he said, I'll build my church and then the gates or the powers of hell will not prevail against it. It's a powerful statement, but what Jesus meant by the word church, it's the Greek word ekklesia. By definition, it means the assembly of the called out ones. Now, how many know as a Christian, you're not born a Christian, you, 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 you surrender your life to Christ, you receive his forgiveness, you turn to follow him, and in so doing, you come out of the world and into the kingdom of God. You come out of darkness and into light. So we are called out of the old life, and then we are assembled together with other like-minded believers. And let me say this, the church is not a building. Though likely many of us got up this morning waking up the kids and said, wake up, it's time to... Well, not really. People ride by the building. Oh, isn't that a, a, a nice church building? Well, how many know the church is not the building, the church is people? And really, we're going to this building and buildings all over the city to meet with other members of the church to worship the Lord. And, and that's what, what church is about. But, but church, by simple definition, is simply people who believe in Jesus and are on a mission from God to reach other people. That's what it's all about. The church is people who believe in Jesus Christ, but yet we're on a mission to reach people from God. The church is not just about me having fun, learning a little bit, but it's purpose to this thing that we do. Jesus told us very clearly, Matthew 28, 18, the last words that Jesus said before he was ascended to the Father. How many would say they're very important? It's kind of the marching orders. It's what your granddaddy told you when he was dying the last time he took your hand when he was in the hospital bed or, or maybe you're in his home or maybe a letter that your grandma or your dad or your mom wrote to you just before they died. How many know that's where it's at? And I would imagine it didn't say keep your room clean. I would imagine it, say, it did not say, you know, uh, turn the TV off at 11 and go to bed. No, it was something that was profound. And what Jesus said with this, he told his disciples, last thing, go and make disciples of all nations. In other words, take what you have and give it away to as many people as you can. That's the mission of the church. Now, stay with me. As I said, we don't go to church. We are the church. But we come together to worship God. We come together to learn the Bible. We come together to help each other, to care for each other, to have fun together. And then we're to go out into the world. And if you can imagine, if, you, if your life is, is, is a car. How I many know a car is supposed to be on the road traveling, right? But sometimes that car needs gas. So you kind of pull off the road and you pull into the church, so to speak, and you get your car full of gas and you get back on the road. Come on, because that's where the mission is, out on the road. Maybe your car gets you're in a little accident. You bang it up pretty good, so you have to come into the body shop and you have to get some serious repair work. And when the repair work's done, guess what? You don't stay in the repair shop. Life is meant to be lived out in the world. But there's a great purpose of those entities that serve that car so it can get out there and do what it's called to do. And that's exactly what the church is called to do. Now, let me give you, and this is kind of background, but the church is universal, but it's also local. By universal, I mean simply there is one church in the whole world. 
That's what Ephesians says. There's one church, there's one body. Now, this church is compo composed of Christians that live in Africa and Asia and India and the furthest reaches of, of North to South America. Anyone that believes in Jesus Christ is a part of this one body with Christ as the head. Come on, somebody. Jesus is the head of the church. We are his body. We are his bride. So wherever we, in Texarkana, the church may be meeting in 200 locations this morning, but there is one church in Texarkana. Come on. It's the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, having said that, though, the church is also local, just like a coin is heads and tails. If you look in the New Testament, you see church, for example, the book of Revelation is written to who? The seven churches of Revelation. Uh, there were books in the New Testament, the church at Corinth, the church at Ephesus, the church at Thessalonica, local body of believers that believe in Jesus, gather together to worship God, learn God's word, care for each other, but then go into the world and make a difference in their communities. That's what church is all about. Now, let me take the next 25 minutes and tell you how your life can be benefited if you will involve yourself in the local church. And I don't mean just go to the movie and hear the sermon and song and leave. But if you can take it a step deeper and allow what God intended to happen in a place like this in your life, it will help you draw closer to God. Let's explore it together. I'm going to give you four things this morning. They're worth writing down. If you've got an iPad, you can download them. They're even up on, on, on Saturdays or, of course, look at it any time this week. Acts chapter 2. Let's, how many know if we want to know the model, the example, the paradigm? How many know we go back to the, where it's mentioned first? The very first church of believers was the church in the book of Acts. It was on the day of Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was a Jewish feast. Uh, the book of Acts, these guys were Jews. Jesus was a Jew, and, that's, and uh, that's where he brought his gospel to. But as the church gathered, these Jews were dispersed in the entire Mediterranean world. They were just everywhere, but they would come back periodically to Jerusalem because the one temple was there. They had teaching synagogues in their cities, but one temple was in Jerusalem. That's where there'd be sacrifices and other things, and they'd make a pilgrimage periodically. Well, the day of Pentecost was one such pilgrimage. So you've had, you've had uh, Jews from all over the Roman Empire come to Jerusalem, and, and the Christians at that time that knew Jesus were in the upper room praying, seeking God, and all of a sudden, heaven came down. Wouldn't you like heaven to come down today? Listen, uh, if I can say it this way, hell is springing up so quickly in America today. If heaven doesn't come down, America's in trouble. And it's not a governmental fix. It's a spiritual fix. Well, anyway, uh, the church is born. Verse 41, I want you to see some things. Those who accepted uh, Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number. In other words, Peter gave an altar call. 3,000 people says, I want to believe in Jesus. I surrender to follow Christ. I want Jesus to be my, my Savior. 3,000 come forward. Now, these next couple verses will tell us how this church lived. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves. That is, they were deeply committed to the apostles' teaching. Now, I'm going to come back to that, but that's what, for example, Peter taught. And Peter ended up writing books of the Bible. So this is a way of saying they were devoted to the teaching of the Bible. They were devoted to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, which is the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. In other words, it characterized their life. The Word of God, the people of God, the Lord's Supper, prayer. Now, verse, couple, next couple of verses are kind of interesting. All the believers were together, and they had everything in common. It's not a commune now, but listen. Verse 45, they sold property and, they, uh, and possessions and gave to anyone who was in need. 
Now, when you read that, you may say, well, is that what we're supposed to do today? Let me tell you what was going on then and why they did it. These people, let me know, if you're going to go on a vacation, let's say you're going to go somewhere for a week, uh, you don't bring everything you own and rent a U-Haul trailer. Come on, unless you're a young person going home to live with mom under the guise of a week. That's my only joke of the day. It went right over your head, but that's okay. Usually when you go on vacation, what you do is you bring a suitcase or two, and on this case, whatever the little donkey could carry, whatever money you had, and uh, whatever food, and you took off. And they went to Jerusalem. They were going to go through the routines of the sacrifice, Pentecost, and then go back home. But now something's happened. They're all Christians. The Holy Spirit's come. There's thousands of them, and they don't have jobs because the Jews are persecuting the Christians. You see, the Jews killed Jesus, and they don't want any Christians. So now these Christians are all there. They can't get jobs. They don't have money. What are they going to do? Here's what they did. They cared for one another. They took care of one another. Now, in America today, we see, you, you hear terms today like redistribution of wealth, communism, socialism. And, and, and that's supposedly a way to take care of the working man and take care of one another. But that's nothing like the Bible. This redistribution of wealth in America today is basically this. The government taking from people that have it and then taking a lot for themselves, come on, living a luxurious life, wasting a bunch of it, and then giving it to some people who are, make, they make them dependent on them. Uh, I believe it works better if you cut out the middleman. Because if you cut out the middleman, then everything that people have that love people, you just give it to people that are in need. Come on, that's what the church used to do before we became a nation that became more government-centered than, than people and, and church-centered. Just a little something to think about there. But that was the criteria that was going on then. But look at the way they live, verse 46. They continued to meet together in the temple courts, which is this a large gathering. They broke bread in their homes. They had like a life group together. They had friends coming over for dinner. They ate together. And here we see in verse 47, the Lord added to their number daily what? So there's the mission again. So we see 3,000 come to Christ. This lifestyle of community, this lifestyle of church's family, and the result of all this is more and more people are added to the kingdom of God. It's less for hell and more for heaven. That's the mission of the church, and here's how they did it. Now let me give you four things this morning that you might write down. What the church, how the church can benefit you. And this first one is a huge one. The local church will help me keep focused on the mission that Christ gave us. Let me say it again. The local church will help us stay focused on the mission Christ gave us. And that mission was what? To take His gospel to the world. To share His gospel everywhere in Texarkana I go. To take His gospel to a needy person in Walmart. To take it to someone over in Thailand. My wife's taking a team in just a few weeks. They're going to Thailand and the Philippines. Why are they doing that? Because Jesus told us to do it. And that's what our mission is about. Is we are supposed to take this good news of Christ. But let me be real honest with you. If I'm not careful, and I'm a preacher and I should know better, but if I'm not careful, I'll let my duck hunting, my turkey hunting, my turkey hunting, my duck hunting. Did I say turkey and duck hunting? Yeah. No. I, I, I'll let them, and then if I take restaurants, and then if I take hanging out with friends, and, and then if I take TV, and then if I add a couple more things I like gardening, and I put all this together, if I'm not careful, it's taking all my time, all my money, and all my passion. And Jesus is second and not first. None of those things are bad. I enjoy all of them, but, but here's the deal. I just want to make them second and not first. I want to live a life that's consistently lived, advancing God's kingdom, and my local church helps me do that. It just helps me. It reminds me. Every time people make steps to Christ, I'm encouraged when I see it in the church. Every time I hear reports about people coming to Jesus, about people being reached for Christ, it kind of helps me stay focused on the main thing. I may know the main thing should be the main thing. 
And that's one of the big things the church can help us do because this is a church that cares about people here locally and around the world. Uh, Pastor Mike's got the vision. He's designing a campaign, I Heart My City. So we'll go from I Love My Church to I Love My City, ways that we can make greater impact here. Well, listen, if you're involved in things like that, if you're coming and hearing about them, if you're giving money towards it, if you're participating, it's just going to help keep you focused on mission. And have me know that's a good thing, and we all need it. And that's one reason we need the local church. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand. Let me give you another one. The verse 42, the local church will teach us the Word of God. One of its primary missions. How many know if you read the passage in verse 42, it says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now, what does that mean? The apostles were the ones whose words basically became the New Testament. So this is a way of saying that they were devoted to the teachings of the Bible. Now, you and I live in a world today that's very confused. Our world today does not know right from wrong. I read an article in the Gazette this week that caught my attention about cohabitation or living together. It says, no longer taboo, living together has become a more common arrangement for America's couples who become pregnant. In other words, if you get pregnant, you don't have to get married. You just move in together because you're probably together already. Now, now let me say that before I go further. There's a big umbrella today of human sexuality and what's right and what's wrong. And it seems like America's trending towards nothing's wrong and everything's right. Can I tell you, that's not God's way. God's plan in the Scripture is that the sexual experience should be experienced a wonderful blessing. So it it stretches me to imagine how people can believe evolution, come on, a non-force with a non-purpose created something as beautiful and special as a sexual experience between a man and a woman. I mean, I mean I'm not going to turn red and talk anymore about it, okay? But it just kind of it's a it's a selah pause moment for those that believe in evolution. But 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 there's lots of things going on outside of that. Uh, it, listen, if you're live if you're living together with someone, you're coming to this church, you're welcome here. If you're a heterosexual, you're welcome here. If you're a homosexual, you're welcome here. If you're an adulterer, you're welcome here. If you're a pornographer, you're welcome here. Here's my here's my hope though is that when you hear God's truth and God's word, you'll let go of those things that God calls wrong and you'll embrace that which God calls right. And my role is to love you enough to tell you the truth. You see, not telling you the truth is not an act of love. It's almost like we're living in a society today that suggests that if you disagree with what's... You know, the word's politically correct, but what it really means is things that are against the Bible. Uh, so if, if the Bible teaches it, the world doesn't want it, and here's what they want me to do. And that's what they want to do, but that's not true. But church is supposed to be a place where you hear and learn the Word of God, not by being condemned by some self-righteous person come on and talking down to you, but somebody who's been where you are. Because I'm telling you, I was a worldly guy at 19. I'm not proud of it, but I'm telling you, I was worldly. If you want to know where the party was, ask me. And most of the things that I'm ashamed of in my life today, I'm ashamed of what happened between ages 17, 18, and 19. I'm telling you. So if you think you're into something, I was into something too, okay? I'm real ashamed of the selfish things I did to hurt a lot of people. And they, none of them were violent, okay? You with me? So I'm telling you, we live in this world that's confused, and the role of the church is to tell people the truth. Now the question, though, is how do we know what's true? Do we just take a poll? 
Now, I suggest to you that if you ask the question, what's right or wrong, it would be a different answer if you took a poll at the sports bar last night at 1 o'clock and you took that same poll this morning in church. You're probably going to get different answers. Uh, it, does the poll make it right? Uh, d- d- does it make it right when our president tells us something? For example, right now our president is real behind same-sex marriage. Does that make it right? Does the Supreme Court, is, is that where rightness comes from? Uh, if the American Psychological or Psychiatric Association says something, is, is that what's right? Uh, uh, here's a big one. Can I, can I just do what they do in the movies? Is that what's right? I mean, golly, I dress like them anyway. I mean, can I just not follow the pattern of their life? Uh, and here's a bigger one, and this is kind of the root of it. Do I have the right to choose right and wrong? Do I have the power as a human being to choose right and wrong. Now, that's the spirit of the world. I read it all over Facebook where people have almost elevated themselves to a godlike status. My friends, the source of truth, Jesus told us in John 17, Jesus said, sanctify them in the truth, which means let them live in the ways of truth. And then he said this, say it with me, your word is truth. And what we want to allow ourselves to do is understand what God says and then just say, yes, Lord, to it. And the Bible will tell you how to treat your wife. Listen, it'll tell you how to treat your parents. It'll tell you how to run your business. It'll tell you things to avoid and things to embrace. The Bible will talk about your money. It'll talk about your time. And can I tell you, it's all intended for good, and it'll all help you. And it's one of the big missions of the church is to preach the Word of God, and that's why I need a church that does it. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand. Let me give you a couple more, and this is one of my favorites. The local church is a place for fellowship. Now, you remember verse 42, they were devoted, devoted to fellowship. It's the Greek word koinonia. Fellowship, by definition, simply means close friends. I'm with close friends, close Christian friends, uh, more clearly. Uh, they were devoted to fellowship. They helped people that were in need. They ate meals together. These people were friends living life together. Now, let me tell you this. I I need Christian friends to help live my life. I do a better job at living life if I'm living it with Christian people than I do if I'm living with worldly people. I'm just telling you, this is me. I'll make better decisions. For example, let's say you're in the uh, academy, and there is just this super-duper-duper good-looking whatever that you just got to have. The only problem is $49.99, and you only have $20. And your friend says... I'll get their attention. I don't see a camera. Put it in your purse. Now, is that the right friend that you want to have speaking into your life? No. Or would you rather to have someone say, stop coveting, pray about it, come on, and get a job, come on, work a few more hours, and then come get it, and I'll come down here with you. It's two sets of advice. I need friends to help me. If you're thinking about divorce, who are you going to listen to? Uh, are you going to go to a gal that's, poor thing's been divorced four times, hurts, hurt, hurt, has been hurt by men all her life, hates men, and if you ask her, what do you think she's going to say? She's going to say, H-E-double, right, you better divorce him. You don't need to be living with him. If you talk to a godly sister, she may say, you know what, you need to get out of the house because he's acting violent and crazy, but that doesn't mean you need to divorce him. You need to separate for a while, and we need to pray that God would touch that man's heart, and you need to give him a little bit of time because you made vows for your life, and we need to let him make the next move. You need to be safe, but then we need to see what's going to happen spiritually because your kids need a mom and your kids need a daddy. I mean, I need friends to help me make decisions in life. Listen, I need friends to have fun. I need Christian friends to duck hunt. Especially if they got a place to go. (laughs) But only two or three because you can't hunt with that many. 
You'll have a better life, friends. Come on. With Christians involved in your world. And I don't know about you, but I need the local church for that to happen. Come on, give the Lord a, a good hand. <laughs> Acts chapter 4. Let me give you one more. And this is a big one that you may or may not be aware of. But the local church is a place to find courage in a world that's becoming hostile to Christ. I don't know what's happened in America, but I see it happening all around me, and it troubles me greatly. If you've ever been to Washington, D.C. or any of our capitals, you will see that all over the Washington area, there are monuments where the city has been dedicated to God. There's scriptures that are there uh, in the Supreme Court itself, the words of Moses that are there. Uh, presidents and officials have laid their hands on, listen, not the Book of Mormon, come on, not the Koran. They've laid their hand on the Bible since America's inception, come on. Maybe an exception here and there, but by and large, the Bible's been the book. We raise our hands in court. We used to say, so help me, so help me God. But yet, people today would have us believe America is not a Christian nation. And the reason they're willing to violate the, the clear uh, uh, history of America's influence. When they do a movie about Columbus, they make him into some, some arrogant money grubber that just wants to come and violate the native people, whereas in Columbus's own journal, he writes that he said he felt Jesus sending him across the waters to a new land for a purpose to spread the gospel. I'm telling you, I got a copy of it. Not the original, but I got a copy of it. But our world doesn't want us to hear that, and here's why. They don't want Jesus they don't want the Bible. They don't want God's commandments in the schools. Come on. They don't want the name of Jesus mentioned any more than they did Jesus when he was on earth. And it's the world we live in today. It is the, constant, it is the clash between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. In our world today, there are two great rulers. One is a good God. One is Lucifer, Satan, the accuser of the brethren himself, the devil. And they're at war with each other. And all people, knowing it or not, are aligned with one of those two gods. Well, that's the world, and these kingdoms are in conflict. And we live in a nation today that is becoming increasingly hostile to Christianity. But it's not new. Let me read a scripture in Acts. Acts 4, verse 2. Peter and John, that's been a great miracle. There was a crippled man, and they were going to church. They saw the crippled man begging. He asked for money, and they gave him something better. They said, I don't have this money you're asking for, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, say it. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise and and walk. And they didn't have to wheel him in, come on to the emergency room at the hospital. This guy got up and walked, and he was a cripple. And now, don't you think the Gazette would send out reporters on that one? I mean, channel this, channel seven, channel four, whatever, they'd be all over that, buddy. Well, that's what would have happened. But notice, Peter and John now, all they're doing is teaching people that through Jesus, there's a resurrection of the dead, and that caused a problem. Verse 3, the Jews, the Jewish leaders, arrested them and put them in jail simply because they're a Christian. It's happening all over the world today. Horrendous persecution against Christians in Muslim nations. Horrendous persecution. A Christian pastor has been in jail in Iran for several years now. Our State Department just negotiated this huge agreement with Iran about nuclear deals. Didn't even mention this brother that was in jail there. They arrested them. They put them in jail. Many of the people who heard their message believed. Now, isn't this what we're called to do? Mission, taking the gospel. But guess what happens? Not everybody wants to hear the message. But we're to take it anyway. So they took it out there. Many people are believing, which is our goal, which is our job. And notice what it says, verse 23. Here's where it gets interesting. As soon as they were freed, they went to the movies. 
As soon as they were freed, they got in their car and they get out, got out of town as quick as they could. As soon as they were freed, they went back to their mom's house. No. As soon as they were freed, where did they go? They returned to the other believers. They found the family of God. They found the Christians. And notice what happened, verse 24. The believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. And after the prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they preached the word of God with boldness. Now listen, friends, if you want to live a serious Christian life, if you want to get in the game, if you're going to stand for Christ, if you, care, listen, if you want to see more people in heaven than hell, if you know the world is in need of a Savior, come on, and you just want to in a humble way and in a kind and loving way bring it, I'm telling you, they're not all going to like it. And when it just backlashes against you, I've read many accounts where people have posted on their private webpage, posted on Facebook, that they stand for marriage, traditional marriage between a man and a woman, and they've lost their jobs. Had nothing to do with work, nothing to do with pulpit banging at work, but just because they believed it, they were attacked. You know it's not cool to pray in Jesus' name. You'll get sued by the Atheist Association. See, there's a reason that we don't have the commandments on the walls of schools. There's a reason, friends, that, that, that the church is being silenced. I've read in the military now, there's a, there's a great effort underway in, 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 to, to silence the Christian's voice in the military. They'll cut your career off at your knees if you try to make this Christian stand because the world is hostile. So here's my question. If it hadn't happened to you, it probably will happen to you if you're living the Christian life. So if you're living the Christian life and you bump into this, what are you going to do? My friends, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find the people of God, come on, that can help me. They can just say, oh, let's pack your bag and get out of town. Oh, let's run away. Oh, let's talk to the right lawyer so maybe he can help us. Now, lawyers may be good, but listen, I want to talk to some people that will help me plug into heaven. I want to talk to some people that can help me get faith back where fear has come in. Come on. I want to talk to some people that if I'm supposed to go into the lion's den like Daniel was, then I'm not afraid to take the step. And you know where those people are found? Come on. They're found in the church. And that's another big reason I need you and you need me and we need each other is because the world is getting increasingly hostile. Come on. And we need to strengthen the power that spirit-filled Christians can bring. Come on. Give the Lord a good hand and I'm, I'm done. Well, let me close with this. I'm going to get uh, uh, our church here. I've, I've talked generally this morning. This is kind of, if you want to even call it a theology of church. Why, why church? These are four big things that will help you, help you stay focused on mission, help you be under the teaching of the Word of God, people that know you and care about you. Listen, you can listen to better preachers than me on television and, and DVD. See, that would have been a great chance where you could have said, Nuh-uh, Pastor. But that's okay. You, you missed that chance. But there's a great preachers. You can listen to that in your car. But what you can't find when you're by yourself is other people, come on, that are walking the life with you. And if you just come into church like a movie theater, you're not going to find them either. But if you get in relationship with people, come on, and things go down and you start stumbling and you start missing and you start stuttering, you're going to have people, I guarantee you, that will get in your world. Well, that's what our church can be to you. And in the coming weeks, I'm going to unfold this, and I'm going to help you if you'll come with me. Bring a friend. We're going to talk about I love my church, and I'll tell you how our church specifically is going to help you grow in your, in your, in your Christian life. L let me close with this thought this morning. Acts chapter 21, we're back with Paul. Paul is a single man. He's made multiple trips in the Mediterranean world to plant churches and preach the gospel. 
And now he's, he's, he's doing his last journey. He's headed back to Jerusalem. And then he's going to go to Rome. And uh, so he's ne- nearing the end of his ministry. And let me kind of pick this up. He's been uh, floating around the Mediterranean. And they finally land in a harbor of Tyre in Syria. We went ashore. And what was the first thing he did? They... Now, isn't that interesting? They didn't go watch the cowboys. They didn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't go to, you know, the duck club. They found believers. They were looking for family. And interesting, this Greek word for found means that they didn't know who they were. That they had to go looking for them and there was no Google mechanism. And in their day, they would persecute and sometimes kill Christians. And have you ever seen the sign of the Christian fish? You know, the story behind that is, is people would come together and they wouldn't know if they were Christians and they would just casually, in the sand or the dirt, they would, one of them would just make an ark in the sign of a fish. And if the other one on the other side made the ark too and they knew the fish, then they'd erase it, but they would know that they were brothers or sisters. So that was a society that they lived in. So he shows up. Somehow he finds these believers. Uh, notice, he stays with them a week. Can you imagine a stranger meeting you today and staying with you a week? It's about a stranger. Stays with him a week. And when he returned to the ship, the whole congregation, women, children, everybody, left the city, came down to the shore with us, and there they knelt and they prayed, and we said our farewells because he's about to go face a tough time. Here's the deal. Paul needed a spiritual family. He needed a spiritual family. I need one and you need one. But can you imagine what was it that allowed a man to show up in a city as found strangers? Now, I understand that. When I was in the Navy, I traveled. I was in Alaska, Adak, Alaska, and Okinawa, Japan. But I remember in Alaska, I got off the ship. I had been a Christian about 18 months. I was saved with a Gideon. I was discipled through the navigators. Uh, I, mean, I, was, I mean, I was on fire for God. And, and I showed up there, and I got off the airplane. And, of course, the first thing you do is look at the brochure, and the brochure tells you where church is, a building is. The Protestants had a Unitarian pastor that I don't even think he believed in God. That wasn't the one for me. I went to the Catholic Church. That wasn't quite it. And I kept looking. And there was a chapel annex. And I remember this like it was yesterday. These doors opened up and these two guys came out. They had guitars and great big old Bibles under their arms. And they had a big grin on their face. And I thought, I may have found the church. And I got to talking to them. And lo and behold, it was an Assembly of God church. And uh, it was the greatest 18 months of my life. I think I grew more in those 18 months than any time in my Christian experience. I was adopted. I was probably 19, 20 years of age. There was a family. Their name was Krupa, Dave and Bitsy Krupa. They lived somewhere in Maine. They had a couple young kids, but what they would do is they would open their home every night to young guys like me. Because you see, the, the, in, if you lived in Adak, Alaska, there was nothing to do but work or work and go back to your barracks. And we, it was so bad that they had a bar in the barracks. And literally, you could walk 10, 20, 30 feet out your door into the bar so they'd work all day and get drunk all night. Well, I'd lived that way for two or three years. I knew there wasn't anything in that. So I would just go with the believers, and my spiritual life, friend, took off. Everybody else would have it marked down when they were going to have to leave ADAC, Alaska. You know, I'm leaving here in 561 days. I'm, I'm leaving here in 319 days. I didn't want to go. I wanted to stay because something so dynamic was happening in my life because I'd found the church. Because listen, friends, Christian people committed to Jesus will help you in your spiritual life. Now, I'm going to close this way this morning. I don't often give invitations for people to join the church, but I'd like to do this this morning. I'd like to give you an opportunity this morning. If you're here this morning and this has been resonating to you, 
and you've been coming here a while and you just feel like this is kind of my home but it's been more like a movie theater and I want it to be more of like a family. I want to, I want to join this church. I want, I, want, I want my family to be here. I want, to, I want to at some level, I want to be a part. I want what you've talked about today. I need that in my life for the spiritual growth that I'm going to have. I'll give you that opportunity in just a minute. But let me say this. Some of you... You know, as I talk today basically about the benefits, you know, the Word of God and people and all those things, you may be doing great in your life. You may have a couple Christian friends and you don't particularly need a lot of people and, and uh, you know, you walk with God, you read your Bible and, you know, you, you do pretty good on your own. But let me say this, you may not need us, but we need you. And let me tell you why. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 that the body of Christ is like a human body. And in a human body, some of us are like an ear, some like a nose, a mouth. Can you imagine if you're the thumb in the body of Christ and if you're trying to drink something or work on something or pick up something without a thumb? I mean, you've got to be a two-fisted coffee drinker. But a thumb, man. Well, imagine if you're the thumb for this body of believers. Imagine if you are an ear and we're deaf without you. We need you. So here's my my appeal this morning if you're here today and say pastor I feel the Lord has called me to be a part of this church that mean you're doing it for the rest of your life listen you can leave whenever God moves you but for whatever period of time that you're here and you're connected that you want to be family and you'd like to join our church we'd like to receive you and pray for you today if that's you would you just lift your hand this morning all of the congregation yeah come on let me count one two three four five six come on others I want to be a part of this church seven eight nine 10, 11, 12, come on others, 13, 14, anybody else this morning? I want to be a part of this church. Anyone else this morning? I want to be a part of this church. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to come on up right now, and I want to give you something that will help you make the next step. Come on, you that want to be a part of the church, whether you lifted your hand or not, give them another big hand today. Just meet me just right over here. So I want to be a part of this church. I feel God calling me to be a part of this church family. This is where I... This is where I want to put my roots down. Come on, we'll keep coming here. Give them another hand. Others, are you looking at your wife, your spouse? Come on, we, maybe we should go on up there. Come on up here. God bless you, man. God bless you, man. We believe the Lord's calling us to be a part of a church of believers just like this. Well, first of all, let me say thanks. In one respect, I'm a brother just like you. I'm a man just like you. Uh, we're believers in Christ. We're brothers and sisters in the Lord. In another respect, I'm your pastor. Someone that God's placed in your life to teach you the Word, to create an environment where there is nurture, where there is care, where there's discipleship and spiritual growth. And uh, I want to I say this. We love you. And we love you just as you are. Not the person that you're going to be, but the person who you are. Because how many know that's the way God loves all of us? And uh, we're excited because we want to help you become the person God wants you to be. And uh, Pastor Mike is going to give you something here wherever he is. Uh, what we encourage to happen is we have something called the Connect Class. It's uh, Wednesday nights for just a couple hours for a couple weeks. But that's our way to help you figure out how to get involved in this body of believers. And that's what we're going to be able to do. And, and he'll give you that. I'd come this Wednesday night at 630. It's in the cafe. And uh, you'll, just, you'll just learn so much. And that'll help us to kind of do this. It'll turn the church into my church. That church into my church. And, and that's what we want to happen. God bless you guys. We love you very much. Give them one more big hand. I want to make one last opportunity for prayer. As we do, we'll sing one last song and then go home. But I always feel it's appropriate to offer one last chance for prayer. 
I find that in every service, there were some people that either got here late or should have come up earlier, but had something that they just really need to turn over to God. There's something in their life that they need God to help them with, and they need prayer. Stay with me now. And I find that other people uh, were touched by the message, something in the message. And I guarantee you, for a lot of us here, you've been hurt by a local church before. I guarantee you, you've been hurt by a pastor. Anybody, including me, raise your hand. Uh, well, you're lying too. You got a problem with lying because I'm going to raise both hands and both feet. See, the only problem with church is, guess what? People. If you could just get the people out of the church, you wouldn't have a problem. Uh, you understand? Because we all bring our, our, our peopleness into the thing and, and it kind of it creates hurt sometimes. But don't let the hurt stop you from engaging what is God's plan for believers on this earth to meet together, to be together, and to make a difference in the world. But anyway, it could have been something in the sermon, could have been anything. We'll be honored to pray for you. But perhaps the greatest thing we could pray for you, if I could ask for your undivided attention one moment, one minute, it's simply this. I'll ask you the question, if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? Now look, there's no magic pill to cure cancer. And just as this, there's no magic prayer to answer that question and make it all right. But if in your heart you say, Pastor, I'm going to turn my heart to the Christ that died on the cross like that. Today I acknowledge that I've sinned against a holy God and I need forgiveness. And today I want to surrender my life to follow Jesus. See, I was raised in the Methodist church that taught me John 3.16, but the only problem was I never received Christ. I never surrendered to follow Him. Jesus was just one of the many things in my life. But at a point in life, it happened for me, August 15, 1976, where I said, Jesus, I want to commit my life to You. Well, maybe this is your day. To make this start in your Christian life. For some it may be the first time. For others you might have done it before and just got away from God. Didn't mean to, don't know how to happen, but you just did. And at this time of your life, you felt God's presence here today. And you feel you need to make a step to Christ. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I confess you before the Father. You deny me before men, I deny you before the Father. Our Christian faith is very personal, but at the same time it's also very public. And I tell people all the time, if you can't stand for Christ in a church that will applaud your decision, you'll never stand for Christ in the world when it matters. So if you're here today and right now your heart is kind of going off like butterflies, a part of you feels like I should run out that back door, but another part says, I'm going down to that cross and I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. See, this is not joining a church. This is leading you and helping you commit your life to the Savior who loves you and offers you eternal life. So if that's you this morning and you'd like our prayers today, you'd say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Christ. I'm ready to put him first. I need a Savior. Would you lift your hand right now? Say, pray for me, Pastor. Yeah, God bless you in the back. And, and God bless you too. And God bless you. Somebody else today, say, pray for me. Anybody? Yeah, God bless you. Pray for me. Someone else, pray for me. God bless you, dear. Yeah, joining a church, but really what you're needing is Jesus. Anybody else today, say, pray for me. I want to put my trust in Christ. I want you that just lifted your hands to come and stand with me by the cross right now. You that are putting your trust in Christ, come on, give them one more big hand. God bless you. You that are making a step to Christ, whether it's the first one, you're coming back to Christ. Listen, God bless you. God bless you. Everyone that makes a step for Christ, making the right step. Our prayer team is coming to the front right now. Go ahead and sing one last song. We're going to stand and sing. And uh, go ahead and stand. We'll sing this last song. And our prayer team is coming. And if you need prayer, you just slip out and join them. And then we'll close. I love you. Thanks for being here.